I may sound different because I haven't taken a shower because there's been a million people in my house. <laughs> you may and sound different. <laughs> I, well, I don't wake up until I like take a hot shower and you know my head clears out and like I I feel like you I you sing don't in the shower like a little bit, awake. get your voice warmed up. Oh yeah, <laughs> me 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 yeah yeah. Uh, no, we've had a ton of people at our house, and you can probably still hear them stomping around above me, so sorry about that. But um, we had a bunch of friends in town for the weekend for my birthday and for the 4th, and they've been, like, trickling in, and now they're trickling out. And so a bunch of people are leaving today. It's, so. it's always nice. I mean, my house is like a hotel from time to time. I have big groups here, and then we have nobody here. And a couple of weeks ago, I was like, we just have nobody here for a little while. And so we haven't had anybody here for... At least the two solid weeks, and next weekend's going to ramp up. We're going to have a bunch of people here. But it is nice to just have nothing. Yeah. And, like, she'll play with her projects, and I get to play with mine, and we don't have to worry about where the dogs are. Because that's always a big thing. We have three dogs, so it's always, where are the dogs? Where are the dogs? Because people here don't care. They just, oh, the dog is at the door? Let them out. Like, the dog's not supposed to be out without a leash on. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's always the biggest concern. Jimmy, what's your animal count yeah, up to these days? Uh, two cats. <laughs> Um, the really cute cat that was in a lot of the podcasts, uh, that was in a lot of the uh, vlogs, uh, she got killed by a car, unfortunately, over the winter break. Um, so that was uh, Timber. She was the cutest cat last year that was in like, kind of the kitten. Um, so we still have Spike. He's still pretty healthy. He's still good, but he needs a checkup soon. Spike and Lulu, the two cats. And then we have Baxter, the, the rescue dog. Every time somebody comes, we go, do you want to leave with the dog? So Baxter's a little annoying, but he's he's really cute. And way to sell it. Yeah, he's, <laughs> we might have a candidate. My friend's daughter might take him. And uh, we got Bear, uh, Chippy, and um, I can't remember the other dog's name. <laughs> the, the little black dog, Pepper. Because <laughs> like Pepper is Taylor's dog. She loves Taylor, and Chippy's my dog. Although he still loves Taylor more than me. And Bear is <laughs> definitely Taylor's dog. So I'm like, like every time I'm with the, the animals, they're all just looking at me, going, "When does the girl come back?" So, <laughs> <laughs> but, that's funny. That's so, so so four four dogs and two cats. Yeah. Nice. And then one horse, but that's at a stable at the moment. Eventually, the horse will be here. And chickens. Chickens. Oh, I don't know. We stopped counting. We used to count every night. Now we don't care. Now it's like like forty something chickens. Uh, every day oh, we get like at really? least two dozen eggs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. We ended up having it. We had like six black roosters. Because we bought, last year when we bought all the babies, last spring, they guaranteed, we think we bought 40 babies. They guaranteed there would at least be one rooster. And there was like 10. You can't tell. You really can't tell when they're little tiny babies. You can't tell which way they're going to go. Some people can, but I mean, I can't. And I guess the people at the mailing place didn't know either because they sent us a box with 40 chickens and said there's at least one rooster in there. And there was 10. So we got rid of those. So the big giant flock that we had last year is, is, is scaled down a little bit. And mm. we don't know if we lose any. <laughs> like sometimes at the end of the day, we'll close the chicken coop. And then in the morning, we hear something rummaging through the garden and we look out the window and there's like two that didn't make it back to the coop. They just go in the woods and sleep in a tree or something. So we, could always, huh. we always know when like somebody's doesn't make it back to closing time. Free range. That's crazy. Yeah, free range. Yeah, and then you got you got rats as pets, right? We got plenty of rats in the in the machine shop. Yeah, we have what we decided to do. What we started doing, which I guess Taylor might have seen on like a like a farm website, we have a lot of rats. It's it's really really a pain in the in the butt because they chew on a lot of the wires. A lot of wire housings have organic material in them, and the rats eat that. So they ate every wire housing on my lathe. I had to replace all the wire in my lathe. And we have these, these poison things. And we were putting a couple of poison blocks on screws. And Taylor came up with this great idea where we just take a long piece of wire. And the poison blocks have a wire in them. And you just put like 15 on top of each other, put a screw in the top of the wall and a screw at the bottom of the wall. So they eat the ones at the bottom. And when they're gone, the other one just falls right down on top of it. So we put a bunch of those in, the, in my machine shop, which is the other side of the chicken coop. And so far, so good. Haven't seen as many rats because you know I guess they they go and they they go home and they die. They, there must be a giant network of tunnels underneath the chicken coop because I look in there and from time to time I guess the chickens move the, the bedding around but you see big holes here and there. 
and huh. it must be a crazy network. And I try as much as I can to put all st- they get in the they get in the machine shop. There's no way they can't. But I try my best to keep them from getting in there. But I personally would love to see your take on Matthias's mouse maze, mm-hmm. but with your rats. Oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I got it. You should do instead of a maze, you should do a roller coaster system for the rats. So you trap them, they no. fall onto a car, go through a roller coaster, mm-hmm. and then it just shoots them out into the field. I'm gonna do an apprenticeship program, teach them how to sweep the floor and pick up my chips and stuff. <laughs> that would be useful. I can get them to do that. Or form into one big human. That would be awesome. <laughs> Decepticons unite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But what have I been working on? I'm glad you asked. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on my canoe. I'm really excited. My canoe is almost closed up. I was out there early this morning. And it's it's really funny because I'm working on this canoe. Everybody knows I did the the Nick Offerman video years ago watching him. And now that I'm doing it, I really am putting myself to the test. And I keep – I have this little nervous thing each week I – post another non-woodworking video and I'm getting neurotic about that because just the way things working out I keep ending up doing steel projects and I haven't done anything in wood and I'm thinking why haven't I done anything in wood and it's mostly because I don't have clients like I used to all my client interior design work was all build me shelves build me a built-in build me a cabinet build me a thing and now I don't have anybody giving me those requirements and so I'm naturally gravitating towards steel and machining which is really what I like to do but I'm building a canoe, which is like the ultimate woodworking project. And I keep forgetting that. I, I keep compartmentalizing like, oh, I'm doing an, I'm making a knife. I'm making a restoration project. I haven't done any wood. So I'm a little self-conscious about that as far as my channel feed goes. But I'm doing pretty well on Instagram. People are really digging the Instagram updates about the, uh, about the canoe. And, and I'm happy to keep sharing all the little details I'm discovering about my skill set versus when I watched Nick do it years ago. And... Uh, I'm also under a little bit of a time crunch, so I'm trying to get it done as fast as possible so I have enough headroom to ward off any mistakes I might have. I have to submit the video and everything by August 30th, so that means you know I have six weeks to finish this, and I just want enough room to have fun with it at the very end of those six weeks to play with it to get some good finishing shots, and then also make a paddle. So it's going along really well, and then I'm also restoring a that antique paper chopper, which is the reason why I made those bolts a couple days ago. So the paper chopper's coming along. I'm trying to do a couple pieces every day. And uh, then eventually I'll, I'll bolt it all together. And then I'm thinking of, I got to get, I know there's got to be a couple guys in the New York area. I want to get a pinstriper in to pinstripe the whole thing, kind of rockabilly style. Ooh, just be, awesome. Because it's just a cool old machine. It's not anything of like giant uh, importance. It's not like some beautiful relic uh, that has some significance other than just being a cool machine. So I, I might have somebody come in and just pinstripe it just to give that little button at the end of the video. And so in the meantime, I'm just cleaning up the, the rust and painting it. And awesome. What else are we working on? Uh, sharpening that'd knives. Be a, that'd, be a good, that'd be a good vlog segment too. Like you, in the video, you could have them actually doing the work, but in the vlog, you could actually talk to them about oh, what they do. Because a lot of people don't realize absolutely. that pinstriping is like in a huge art form. Like absolutely. It's very specific. I, and I've seen guys when I was a kid, I used to hang around in this garage and, I, and I've seen these guys that come in with their little kid. I was too shy to talk to them, but they come in with their kit and they have their very specific tools they use and they're very comfortable using certain tools and they do this beautiful line art. So yeah, so that's what I'm looking for. If anybody knows in New York, I'm going to get 7,000 suggestions, but that's okay. If I can get a good New York guy that's got a lot of personality, I'll pay his way to come up here and pinstripe my giant machine or I'll put Sweet. it in my car and I'll bring it to him. Not... I'm sure you could uh, get in touch with Paul Cox. He's absolutely. Be connected with a bunch of people. That's absolutely right. who I was thinking of talking to. Yeah. So when the time is right, I was going to bug him. And he just yeah. moved upstate too, by the way. He moved up. I'm in, I'm sort of centrally located in New York State, kind of by Albany. And he moved, uh, I think the town he's in is kind of over towards the Pennsylvania border in the south. Catskills is like a big giant stain right in the middle of New York State. And I don't mean that derogatory, but if you looked at the map, <laughs> I'm on the very <laughs> north side of the big stain. And. He's on the very <laughs> south side going towards the west. So we're not close to each other. He's about 100 miles away from me. But he just moved upstate, and I was thinking about one day just bugging him to try and go visit him once he gets settled in. But, you yeah. Know, yeah, New York is just a hard place to live 
ultimately, you know, if you if you're like me and him and you want a place to make stuff and you need room. So mm. upstate is a much easier place to live. So that's what I've been up to. Right on. Did you do anything for the fourth? No, we had no guests, nobody. We had a couple of people threatening to come up and nobody did come up. And me and Taylor both just worked. I worked on the canoe and she was working on the garden. And, you know, what we do is we, we'll, we'll both submerge ourselves in our projects all day long. And then at the end of the day, like maybe 10, 11, 12 midnight, we'll go, let's go for a drive. And then we just go for a long drive around and we'll stop at some you know, 24 hour coffee shop. And that's, that's the excitement. <laughs> that's our inspirational walk that we used to do in Soho. So we do our inspirational drives. We just go for a drive and look at the stars. There's a big giant. It's almost kind of equivalent to the Mulholland Drive when you drive along the Mulholland and look down into the valley in California. We have one nearby here. And you look down into the farm valley, so there's not nearly as many lights. But we drove it the other day just to look at some of the fireworks, which is cool. You could see the fireworks for probably 75, 80 miles. It's like a big giant vista. You drive up this big mountain nice. up near Wyndham. So we'll do that. We did that the other night, but nothing, nothing at, crazy. At your place, is it like, are you far enough away from things that at night, like the sky is dark? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. 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 I, I'm awesome. like, my house is on the corner. My property is, is so, like, if you saw an aerial map view of my property, I got 40 acres. My neighbor's got 20 acres. The other neighbor's got 100 acres. The other neighbor's got like 60 acres. So it's all like right near my house. Like, if you look from my house to the back of you and you look, toward the giant conglomerate of properties there's no light pollution there that goes awesome. that goes from my road to route 81 which is like four or five miles away so for at least like a big like 10 or maybe eight or ten square miles right behind my house there's nothing so which is nice because you could walk through all those yeah. properties and no one will ever you know a lot of people deer hunt and they're always crisscrossing each other's property back there hmm. so dave what's up so this week is when uh, the new camera guy starts on, uh, that's tomorrow. And so I decided I'm going to do a real simple project, something I'm familiar with, just to kind of uh, get used to each other. And so we're going to do a, like a, everything you need to know about picture frames type video. In the past, I've made some picture frame jigs, like a spline jig and, and um, um, a picture frame cutting jig. But I've never made just a basic what you need to know about picture frames. So we're going to do that. And then uh, I'm doing a couple of videos for Home Depot for their channel. So while he's here, they're just quick 60 second videos. We might get a couple of those in. And uh, and then, oh, there's a deer walking through my yard. Two of them. Hey, guys. Nice. Yeah. Get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of rude for them to interrupt me. And then uh, we might film the beginning parts of this this liquor bar build built in that we're doing for our one room. So lots of um, lots of little things that we're going to work on this week. And uh, yeah. Uh, oh, on the fourth. Hey David, what'd you do on the fourth? Hey David, what'd you do on the fourth? <laughs> Lynn from Darwin Over stopped by. Oh yeah, we saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Um, normally we are out of town and we host a, a big 4th of July party, but this year we couldn't for various reasons. One of those is Lake Erie is, uh, the water's really high and there's no beach and we're, we're, we had a lot of things to do around the house. So we decided to not have the party this year. And so we had nothing planned for the 4th. We were just going to stay at home and I'm not really into fireworks. And then the day before, Lynn sent an email said, hey, we're going to be coming through on our trip out east. Can we stop by? And so her and her husband did. And we didn't work on anything. Uh, we just uh, we went out for dinner and it was. Yeah, it was where nice is she dinner. going to? Where is she going to? Like, what is she's just on a road trip for the summer? She's on a road trip. I um, uh, I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure what information she wants out there. So I'll just say go watch right. her vlogs. Yeah. Yeah. OK, good. So fair enough. But that uh, was um, it was my first time meeting her, and she's a, an amazing person. And she um, she they have she's a, had a baby. A, yeah, I and adorable, of course. And uh, she has a great camera collection, and she was showing me some of the cases that she made to to haul the cameras across the country. Really amazing work. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, well, so I had, like I said before, I had a bunch of people here. And so we've been nonstop just like playing and outside and it's been really hot here the last couple of days. So on the fourth, um, I made a giant slip and slide that was a hundred feet long, 20 feet wide. And that's actually going to be the project video for this week. Cause it's, there's not much of a project to it, but it was a really fun thing to do and it's pretty simple. So we put that out on the fourth and we started at noon. We got it set up in, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And then like my kids and my niece and nephew and some, a bunch of other friends were on it until probably nine o'clock that night. <laughs> it was just nonstop slip and slide the whole day. Uh, and then, so we did that and then we did fireworks and stuff. And then <clears throat> the next day or not the next day, a couple days later, my parents always have a big party for the 4th of July weekend. And it's always like a family gathering and friends and whoever's in town. And since a bunch of my friends were here, uh, up from Savannah, we had extra people. And so they always have an inflatable slip and slide, like one that has a, you know, like a fan on it that blows it up and then you slide down it. So we did that. And then yesterday I set up the big slip and slide here again so that all the friends that had come in late got to do it. So I am sore <laughs> from head to toe. How long is it? How, how long is the slide? It was a hundred feet long. Wow. Yeah. Which is just enough. You know, it's enough to like it, you, you go down it and you're like, okay, it's still going. Okay. Now it's over. <laughs> you know, it's so like a normal slip and slide. It's like, as soon as you get on it, it's over and then yeah. it's too short. But this one was actually a pretty good length. Yeah. Um, but what's crazy, and I didn't think about this until I was putting the plastic down. We used clear plastic. And a lot of people will use, I didn't want to use black plastic because I thought it would be too hot, mm -hmm. you know, and it would dry out. It would evaporate the water even faster. A lot of people use tarps, but they don't, they're not waterproof necessarily. So a lot of the water would go through them. So put clear down. And that's basically like a tiny greenhouse. Mm -hmm. So we laid down the, the clear plastic and it was in place for about 20 minutes and we decided we needed to slide it downhill just a little bit to get a better position for it. So it was down for 20 minutes. We slid it down about 10 feet and that 10 feet that was then exposed was totally brown, just gone. Oh, it just baked the grass. I thought you were going to say it got like 10 inches longer in the few minutes. <laughs> no, that, no <laughs> that would have been cool. No, it was totally brown. And then after the full day of the rest of it being covered, like some of the grass was black. Oh, hmm. it just decimated. I make jo so I, I make jokes with Taylor about the backyard because she she I go there it is Taylor the grass killer again. She'll like put a garbage pail like right in the middle of the lawn. I'm like you got you can't you can't leave it there for more than 20 minutes because it's just going to make a dead <laughs> ring. And uh, yeah. so Taylor the grass killer is at it again. So I I spend half every evening walking around moving things off the grass just so it doesn't leave footprints <laughs> wherever those things were. Well, what's weird is that. So we rolled this thing up at the end of the day. Uh, well, my friend Bert rolled it up for me at the end of the day. And so it was in a pile of clear plastic, like all in a big chunk. And where it was laying, it didn't kill the grass because it was opaque. You know, it had been oh, rolled up enough yeah, that yeah. the sun wasn't getting through it. But when it was laid out flat, the sun would get through it and just cook everything underneath it. Hmm. And so we have this 100 foot by 20 foot brown rectangle in the backyard. <laughs> nice. Now. It'll, so, it'll come back fine. to life next spring. Yeah, it's it's not really a big deal at all. It's at the back of the yard, and I don't really care about grass. But it's funny because, like, the yard looks pretty nice otherwise, and there's this <laughs> giant dead spot back there. But we had a lot of fun, and it's totally worth killing the grass because the kids loved it. I mean, like, me and my friends had a good time. We had big inflatables. I went and bought, like, you know, like a giant slice of pizza that's, like, six feet long that you could ride down and on, and we had a giant unicorn that the kids were riding down on and you know spraying it with soap all day it was a blast we had a really really good time and then just seeing a bunch of friends from uh savannah that i hadn't seen in a while was great hmm. too so yeah that's the video coming up this week is um the slip and slide it's funny because a few weeks ago i was like i don't know three maybe four weeks ahead and we had man we had projects shot and in editing and done and already uploaded and ready and like now we're back to next week or <laughs> well, in a few days but that video has to go up and it's just weird how that happens like you'll build up a lead 
and think like I I'll build up a lead and feel really comfortable about it and like okay all we got to do is maintain this and then we'll have this buffer from now on and we can always fall back a week or two and like catch up with it's it. It's like the laundry. No like matter you do the, the laundry, you think you're done. You're like that's it, I'm done. And yeah. then you're like two days later, you're like ah, oh, I thought I did this already. Yeah. As soon as the buffer is there, it disappears. And it always seems to disappear back to zero. It's not like it the buffer gets a little bit smaller and then you catch up again. It's just like it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, I haven't been stressing myself I, I, out about a schedule. I just I can't. I just yeah. got too many little variables. I think the only thing that, that I mean I've tried to like let myself off the hook a little bit with it um and tried not to worry about it. But you know, when you have sponsors and they have due dates that you gotta meet, that's you know Yeah. That's really the only requirement. That's, a requirement. that's definitely So I think uh, I have sponsor stuff through the end of the month and then I think after that I'm gonna take a week off and just try to build up the you still work, but you know, try to build up the buffer a little bit so that we can get back to it. Because I don't want as school starts for us uh, in August, I don't want to have like the stress of school starting and all this new stuff and like helping with homework and then feel like I'm behind and I need to double up on videos to try to get ahead. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, Hey, Bob, let me ask you a question. Um, I don't think too many sure. people realize you made a major life change by moving from Savannah to Kentucky. Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. like the difference? How It's been a year at least now. How do you feel? Yeah. Um, I love it. I mean... Uh, like I have some really good friends and all the people that came up this weekend were really good friends and they were the people that I was really sad to leave and other people as well. But I was really sad about leaving the people that I'd gotten close to, but I didn't really, I don't miss Savannah as a place or like as a, a cultural, you know, like every city kind of has its own like culture things to it. I don't really miss any of that about Savannah, right. but I love being up here where I have space and where, you know, the kids can like, we have a lot of area outside. I can send them outside and just like go be, you know, go run in a field and go play. You have four, five, four seasons, right? Not, is it four seasons? Yeah. Four seasons in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's four seasons in the Still? world. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. The nuclear holocaust. You may as well six. go ahead and abolish two of them. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We have seasons. We have a good range of weather. You know, we get a little bit of snow, but not tons. Like you guys have to deal with it a lot more than we do. So, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, and the fact that, <clears throat> we, you know, we're in my grandparents' house, um, and they built it for them, the two of them, after their kids were grown. I was in, like, maybe second grade or something when they built it. You know, so it was just the two of them. But it feels like this house was built for us. And it's really bizarre mm-hmm. to me because – you know, two senior citizens, like, building a home for just the two of them, like, they, they shouldn't need much. They shouldn't need a lot of space. But the way this house is built, there's a giant room upstairs, which is perfect for three boys. There's a guest room, which is perfect for my daughter. There's this giant workshop in these other two rooms in the basement, which is perfect for me to put my shop and my business in and have plenty of space to do all this. It's just, I don't know. It's pretty wild. It's it's a really, really good fit. Um, and, of course, there's growing pains you know when we moved we had to make new friends we had to like my wife was super connected to her roller derby team and that's gone now and so she's you know been trying to meet new people and fill that kind of like uh like the exercise void that she was so used to exercising several times a week so she's trying to you know come up with ways to replace that so there's you know there's good and bad uh transition stuff but yeah i love it I think it was one of the better choices we've ever made for the family, you know, as right. a whole. Yeah. Very good. Yep, yep. Nice. Um, do we have a topic? Did we come up with anything to talk about? Uh, you wanna, we gotta, did you see the question that Kevin just sent over? Do you, you want to talk about that? I, I haven't read it, but you guys probably did. So go for it. Yeah. I'll read it. What do you think, Dave? It's not bad, right? I, I like it. Let's go for it. Yeah. All right. So we can just introduce it and whoever's editing could just like make this a smoother transition than we're making it now. <laughs> that was pretty smooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get started this morning, I asked a couple of friends if they had any thoughts, any conversations that we should maybe delve into. And uh, uh, Kevin's always got good insight. Kevin Lazat, he's the young man I traveled to California with a couple weeks ago. And he said, I've been considering how much making thinks... Hold on a second. Let me re-say that. He's been considering how much making is a part of his identity. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And and how much of his daily routine and, and 
he and I talked about this when we were together, so that's why it's kind of a very pertinent question. Our lives are about making. And what if we didn't have that? How much of our identity is tied to that? And I, I personally feel a tremendous amount of my identity is tied to that. And it's really funny that when people come to visit me and people get to know me, they realize how much I actually work and how much time I actually spend in the shop. And the reason Kevin brought it up is because he works with a bunch of, he says, I work with a bunch of old guys. They're all like 50. And I was like, hey, I'm 51. So watch your mouth. And uh, he's 23. He works at a GE, works at a machine shop. And he makes parts all day long for top secret stuff. And he goes home at night in machines. So the whole conversation came up with he and I when we were traveling together. I said, how many guys do you work with go home and machine at night and make creative things? He goes, none of them. Almost none of them. I, go, I, I work my shift and then I go home and I do the same thing, but for my own ideas. And so it's funny how, you know, a lot of guys consider machining or anything or maybe cabinet making. You wonder how many older gentlemen think, oh, this is just my job or women. This is just my job. And when they go home, that's not part of their identity. But this maker world has brought so many of us together that constantly are identity. Like I don't. You know, I'm making a canoe, but I don't go canoeing. I don't go hiking. I don't go, like, me and Taylor kind of got into a thing a couple weeks ago. She's like, let's stop going to the flea market. Let's hike every Sunday. I was like, I've been going to the flea market every Sunday for, like, 40 years. <laughs> I said, I'm, I, I'm not going to stop going to the flea market. I go, we can hike another time. I'm not going to replace one with the other. I said, if you really mm. are bored with going to the flea market, I'll go at 7 in the morning and come back, you know, when we're getting up, and then that'll be that. But... I and uh, recently when people come and visit me and they realize I'm literally juggling tasks from the minute I wake up until two in the morning and it might be editing it might be machining a little bit and when I get a little project cooking like for instance now I'm I'm slowly ramping up to make the doors for my shop and that for me will start with the hinges so I cut the steel for the hinges the other day and now I'm slowly machining them and I got to put a uh, a, I'm making bullet hinges so it's one and a half inch steel. I got to drill a one inch hole down the center of each piece, put in a hardened steel rod. So I'm slowly ramping up. So like, I think like, oh, I got five minutes. This morning I had an hour before the podcast. I went outside, I put another plank in the canoe. So I really feel my whole identity is, is definitely wrapped up in making it. And if I wasn't doing this and I have to slowly consider as I get older and um, I'm, I'm not, 100% sure, but I think I'm just going to continue to make stuff. And it's funny because I'm trying to take better care of my body. I'm meeting these from time to time at the flea market. You meet and, you know, you get gatherings where you meet other people that make stuff and you see how they're older and they're still making stuff, but they haven't taken good care of themselves. I want to try and remain healthy so that I can continue to do this when I'm in my 70s. And, you know, when I'm in my, like my dad had his knees replaced and he doesn't work as much as he wanted to because his knees is he doesn't work as much as he wants to because his knees bother him at seven. Well, my dad's 78 years old, but yeah. he, you know, so stuff like that. And I have to try and be conscious of that. So uh, I guess that's a long answer of like making it is definitely part of my identity. I, I, the typical stuff that people would do and now, and Bob, like you have kids. So if I had kids, I would have to, you know, take them and entertain them, you know, at, at a park or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, or take them to the ball game or soccer or whatever. I'm completely submerged in this making world. Like I watched my brother who has kids, he's got young kids. They're a little bit older now, but same with him. He's like me where he just wants to work all the time, but he has to literally mm-hmm. just like shut it down. Yep. Just shut it down and then take the kids to the mall or wherever it is to keep them entertained because that's his, his duty as a father. And, you know, I don't have that right now, uh, you know, I do that with Taylor. I mean, thankfully, Taylor also has this maker identity. She was working all day yesterday and the day before developing patterns for some new design she wants to make. And yeah, it's definitely part of my identity. And when people come and spend time here, they they realize they're like, wow, this is all you do all the time. <laughs> like, what time did you go to bed last night? And, you know, now that I have the barn 200 feet away, I, I'm there all the time. It's, but when there's tools in there, forget it. I'm never going to go to sleep. I'm just going to go to sleep on the floor of the shop. <laughs> So, well, so how do you guys feel? There's about- a bed build for you right there. You <laughs> yeah, can- that's right. So, how do you guys feel about considering making as part of your identity? If without making, what would you do? I, I don't know that my identity is tied to making, as it is so much to creating. 
because I think my identity has evolved many times over the years. I mean, for a long time, I was really into music and that's what my obsession was. And then it was photography and then um, web design. Like I wanted to learn everything that I possibly could about web design and I was really into it. And then it became woodworking and and now it's, it's video making. So it's, it's not about actually making a, physical thing but just creating something that's not there that's always been in me i guess i didn't really realize that until the last few years like i can't imagine a life without creating something whether it's it's art or it's a uh it's it's digital or or a piece of furniture right yeah i've kind of had that same that same thing and i think a lot of it is uh i think creating is is a part of it, I've always looked at it a little, a little more like productivity. Like something is like there is an outcome to whatever it is I'm doing right now, which I guess is creating. It's the same kind of thing. But I've always looked at it from, you know, if I'm spending my time and there is a, a tangible result or like I see something moving forward, I see something improving. Those are the times that I get really like I get excited and I want to do more and more and more just because I see result. Yeah. So it's like maybe uh you know, um, I can't think of a good example for that, but yeah, music is a good one. Like where the thing didn't exist before and I spent some time and then there's this thing that exists that never would have otherwise, if I hadn't put that time in. That's and funny that the, is, not to cut you up, but the, before I forget the thought, that's exactly one of my personal problems is that I can't go like jet ski because at the end of jet ski, I have nothing to show mm-hmm. for it except for, you know, yeah. Oh, now I know how to use a jet ski, which is to me is completely useless. Yeah. I have to do something and at the end of it, I've either learned a skill I could use later, I could show it off, I could make something for somebody I can get paid with that skill. I'm never gonna be a world class jet skier, you know, getting sponsored by a jet ski company. I'm never gonna be a skateboarder, I'm never gonna be a bicyclist, I'm never gonna be a skier. Like when people say, Hey, you live in the perfect ski mountain, do you have a ski? I go, No, I don't ski because when you're done skiing, the only thing you could potentially have is a broken leg or a broken fist or a broken face. And those are the things that I don't want. I can't get anything out of it. So, but again, you know, I can't de- degrade somebody that does that because that's what their identity is wrapped up in. I, it's very hard for me to do anything with people that doesn't result in mm-hmm. an object mm. or something created right. or a skill set developed. People yeah. say, oh, oh, come, let's go, you know, let's go for Harley ride. And I'm like, I only use my Harley to go from here to there. I don't use it to enjoy the, the air blowing through my face because I just open my car window all the time when I drive. So it's really, I have, because I have a Harley and a lot of friends are like, hey, let's go for a ride. I'm like, I can't spend the whole day driving somewhere just to get there and then turn around and drive back. Yeah. Hey, come out on my boat. I, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. I really like, there's always that, oh, come on, let's go, let's go for a boat ride around the city. I'm like, ah. Um, yeah. you know, that's exactly what mine, I can't hide that reaction. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. When do you want to go? But I got this thing I got to do. <laughs> yeah. I have a life of making things that, yeah. you know, that'll just, I just have to put that on pause to, yeah, I don't want to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally feel that exact same thing. Like every, we're about to go on a vacation. My wife's leaving with the kids and we talked about this before several times, but they're going to the beach and I'm going to fly down. They're going for several weeks and I'm going to fly down for part of it. But there's already that part of me that's like, I got to go sit on the beach. Ugh. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. And everybody else in the world's like, oh, well, I get to go sit on the beach. And I'm oh like, I got to go sit there in the hot and not do anything. And that seeing family is great. You know, spending time with my kids in a place that makes them happy is awesome. And I'm looking forward to that. But there is that part of me that's just like, like I could get so much done in that same amount of time, you know, and still have fun with people if I was just in a different situation or if I was in a different place. And so that's something like I, and as a father, I know that that is not the right approach. Like it's my natural approach. Like it is yours, Jimmy. But I know that in the, position of being a father that's not the right thing and that's not where i need to let myself settle into like i can't be satisfied unless i'm being productive because in the the place of fatherhood part of being productive is being 
is just being with your kids of course, and showing 100%. them. hundred percent. And know, I, see, them I see that with my brother. He gets such a rush out of showing his son how to do something and his son duplicates it and then he gets good at it. And my brother loves that more than anything. And I could totally see myself in that same position one day maybe. And so I totally understand that you really have yeah. to, you know, that just becomes a different responsibility. Not, not, but it, not it's a hindrance. Weird. Right. No, it's not a hindrance, but it is like counter to my nature. Mm-hmm. Even as a father, it's still like I have to work at making sure that my head is in the right place to think like, okay, I'm not doing what I would naturally do if I was like a lone wolf, but there's a lot of purpose in this, in this time that I'm going to spend with, you know, my kids investing in, if it's just fun, you know, just having fun with them, there's, there's a big, that has a big, like prolonged effect on them. And so it's, it's not just the moment of having fun right now, it's you know, building a relationship with them and showing them how I react to things and how I expect them to react to things and how people work together and stuff like that, that all carries way down the road. And if those moments are skipped because I want to be in the shop a little bit longer or I just don't feel like, you know, like at the end of my day, I'm tired because I worked a lot or because I my mind is somewhere else and I don't put in those little moments of here's how people work, you know, <laughs> yeah. then that's bad for the kids long term. And that is something I struggle with. And I think a lot of people struggle with, um, with kids is just like how to, how to switch between those two things or how to work those two things, those two big parts of your life together. Uh, my, one of my friends was asking me this weekend, like how it's been being here and, uh, being, you know, doing this career full time for a while now, like, how's it settled in? Do I still work constantly? And I told him, like, I really try. I'm not great at this, but I try to do like a nine to five, nine to six. And at the end of that time, I try to go upstairs and turn it off. And it's really hard because the back of my head is still constantly churning on like, I have this to do and this to do. And I had this idea and I want to go jump on it and try it right now. Um, But I know that that's not the best for me it's not the best for my kids so I really do try to separate those times and be fully in work mode when I'm there so that I'm productive and I get the most out of it I try to be fully in parent husband mode Mm -hmm. while I'm there um and it's that's still a struggle but I think it's gotten a lot better being here oh there's a lot of people (laughs) running above me I have a question Um, for you yeah what's that so you know you said you when you're going to be on the beach, you're going to have this anxious feeling. Think back five years ago before you had this job that you loved. I mean, did you still have these anxious moments outside uh, of work? Were you constantly thinking about work then? Yeah, I wasn't thinking about work, but I was just thinking about I would rather be doing something. I mean, it's totally selfish. Like when I say it out loud, I know it's selfish. I would rather be doing something that I want to do. It boils down to that. And what I want to do is making music or, you know, making a model or building a thing for the house or, or just like, you know, when I used to write software, it was like, I would like to work on that app that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's always been, I have to try not to be a baby and be like, I'm not doing what I want to do right now, <laughs> you know, because that's like the natural thing. Like I want to, I want to do the stuff I want to do, but I'm responsible for a lot of other people now. <laughs> and so I have to kind of suck that up and just be okay, you know, doing stuff for them, which is really what it boils down to. Like going to the beach does nothing for me at all. It never will. That's just not me. Um, just like you were saying, Jimmy, going for a Harley ride does nothing for you. In my case, though, that same time is about doing stuff for other people. It's about doing stuff for my kids and for my wife because the beach in particular speaks to my wife. That's where she grew up. It means a lot to her and she enjoys that time a lot. And so that time is not about me. And I just have to remember that like making stuff, I mean, back to the kind of core discussion here, making stuff and being productive, that is me. That is purely to drive and continue me being happy and feeling productive. That stuff is about me. And I know that. And I can confidently say that and be selfish about that, but that's not all of it. So like, I just have to remember that, the you know, there's a huge portion of my life that I just have to turn off my self-involved, <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff and just, like, be there for other people. Yeah, you didn't sound selfish at all. And your your thoughts are, are normal and, and not, not selfish. It's obviously you care about the people around you. I'm curious to know your 
both of you your your thoughts on how much because you have an audience how much does that drive you because we get to make a thing and show it off and for me without trying to I try not to brag or try to do less of it, but getting to show things off to an audience of people is really, really motivating for me. Oh, of course. I was going to tell you, Bob, but then when you said uh, it's selfish, it's selfish, it's selfish. But I mean, you got to remember, like, we all share everything we do and, you know, remember all the, the beautiful greetings we had from the people in the UK. And, you know, so it is selfish, but at the same time, you're sharing with the world. So... Oh, yeah. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm, I'm a bad person because I'm selfish. I just mean that like my career and yeah. stuff is about it's I love it. It's about what I'm enjoying doing. Yeah. So I know that that's one thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we obviously do try to teach things to other people. And I really hope that people get things out of my videos. But I man, when I'm done with the thing, like before the videos even out, I'm done with it. Like, I don't care. I don't care if anybody sees it. I don't care. If, <laughs> I don't care. I just, I really like getting the thing done and then it can set over there and I can never see it again and I'm good, hmm. you know. Right. Um, and I don't, I actually kind of shy away from showing things off. Like, obviously, we have to do the videos. That's part of how we make our living. And so, like, that's showing things off. But, like, I don't go out of my way to show people the stuff that I make, really, because it just, I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just don't. It's I, I I like hearing like you have a different different take on it like um, I en- I really enjoy the showing off part posting the photos up on Instagram and 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 um, sharing the videos and stuff but I have no emotional attachment to the things that I make like there are so many th- like there are so many things around the house I'm like I'm done with I'm done with this this stereo cabinet. I, I'm going to donate it to Goodwill, and Kelly's like, "What? Like, no, that thing. Like, yeah, yeah I'm done with it. Like, but I, I like, I like the fact that I got to show it off for a little bit. But I, I'm not attached to anything that I make. Do you think that has anything to do with? Because I thought about this before. Do you think that has anything to do with the pace that we create things? Like, if oh. you made one a cabinet and you spent six months on it, do you think you would be more invested in it, or is it just? I have not put any thought into that, but I. Th- think you're on to something there yeah because i can just yeah i i am lucky enough to have the opportunity where i get to make something new every week and i can just remake something better this time right. around so i know not everybody has that um that that advantage so yeah i think you're on to something yeah i mean i think you know there's no matter how hard we try and i'm not speaking for you guys but people in our position no matter how hard we try to do our best and make things well and finished, you know, and like put in the details and stuff. Like I know I, I still skip a lot of things because it's not relevant uh, to my aesthetic and it's not relevant to the pace that I try to create things. And I know that if I took a single piece of furniture and I worked on it for six months or two months or a month, I'm going to have a totally different investment in that just because I've spent more time with it and I've put more of myself into it. But I'm like, I'm in the hour range, you know, like I'm in like, oh, six hours in this thing. What? That's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's more time than I've ever put in anything. Um, and, and so, like, I, I just don't have the the relationship with the thing that I've built very often. I mean, and I look at some things that I've spent more time on, like um, the Shore Trooper helmet. That thing, I modeled that for 50 hours, 50 plus hours. And so there's a little more connection to that and a little more history just because it was such a pain and it was learning new stuff and it was just like you know get 30 percent 40 percent into the thing and be like nope that's not right gotta start over and there's just a lot more investment into that object and so i care a little bit more about that one and have a little more pride in it than i would something that you know build another cabinet and put some doors on it like i've done that a hundred times so it's not really that big of a deal but I don't know. Anyway, we're way past off the topic, but I do think to the question, I don't think my identity as far as uh, like my self-worth is caught up in making, but I do think if I didn't have the chance to make things with my hands, I would be emotionally in in a very different spot. I think it keeps me like 
focused and it keeps me calm and I feel productive. Whereas if I couldn't do that, I think I would have like a certain amount of anxiety and just feel like I wasn't like, I just wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to voice that, but yeah, I think it's like a, it's a natural outlet, you know, that if I didn't have would feel really unnatural for me. <clears throat> it's funny. And that's not okay. Pop. I was gonna say one more thing. I, I don't think that's even like <clears throat> that feeling is even specific to making things i think it's whatever like i think we're kind of wired for something and if you don't get to do the thing that you're wired for it's tough and like you were talking about kevin going home and machining after i know tons of people in the software industry who spend their entire day making websites or making applications for a business and it's just like a thing they got to do and then they go home and they have this pet project and they're making an app or they're making a graphic or they're, you know, whatever. And that's the thing that, like, keeps them going through the day to be able to go home and do the same type of work, but it's their work, you know? Yeah, yeah that's that, very I think rewarding. that's in every industry. I think it's that obsession that got me into woodworking because I was web developing all day at work. And then I would come home and I would work on my freelance projects or my own personal projects. And I, for a long period of time, I really, really enjoyed that. And I really identified with being a web developer. And then I think because of that, that weird obsession that I had, I needed another outlet. And that's when I started to get into woodworking. And, um, <laughs> and then the more I got into woodworking, the less I cared about making websites. And... Yeah. And it's a different kind of reward too. Like the, the outcome of having... <laughs> Having a web, well, for me, the outcome of having a website, you're like, look on the screen, there's a <laughs> thing I made. <laughs> and you make a cabinet and you're like, look, I can stand on yeah. this thing. There's a, uh, there's different things. There's a, there's a mystery about a website because somebody who has no clue on how websites work don't understand what's, what's involved. But you can look at a piece of furniture and you can like, okay, you put these two two boards in there. So there's a there's a different kind of um, uh, reward, I guess, with 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 those outlets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I think some people, there are a lot of people who would look at a piece of furniture and just their minds just can't quite figure out how how that thing exists out of raw materials. Yeah, know? yeah, true. Um, but same kind of thing for for both of them I think so well you guys got any other thoughts on this what's uh what's the the future of your identity does it does it change does it evolve Mm. Hmm. I don't know like I feel like maybe identity is not the way I would look at this but so I get if I'm talking a lot this episode um I feel like I get a lot of fulfillment out of making things and it, it fills kind of a, a spot that's empty or like it churns this thing that needs to be churned in me. I don't think of that as my identity. You know, like my identity, my responsibility is, it has changed over time from being a single person to now being my identity is the person in charge of and responsible for a family. Um, and I think the churn of project of making things and that is scratching that itch helps me do my job as a parent and a husband better, mm. you know, but I, I don't know. There's something in me that separates those two things that like, this is the thing that helps me. And this is the thing that I have to do for other people. I want to do for other people. Um, anyway, so I, I think my identity has evolved as I've aged and as I've gone through a different stage of life and, you know, and I'm now responsible for people and then my responsibility to them and for them will change as they grow as well. So I think that'll probably continue to change, but I'm hoping that like Jimmy was saying earlier, I'm hoping that being able to make things into old age will be that thing that kind of keeps me moving and keeps Mm -hmm. me okay for other people. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 Well, I know personally, I mean, my, my workflow has physically changed, and that's why now I'm combating this little bit of overweightness. I was con- When Welder and I were working together, we were just constantly physical, slinging plywood, carrying stuff, walking up 12 flights of stairs, doing all- 
And then as I got into YouTube, I make what fits on my table and I'm done with it and I move it to the side. And I pick it up in small pieces and bring it together. Then somebody helps me carry it off the table and then I put it to the side. I'm no longer going up and down stairs. I'm no longer hustling, going and get plywood and walking even out of buildings with stuff. So that's why my physicality changed. It certainly has. I mean, I was joking with Jocko saying how, you know, now we're uh, the big time overweight YouTubers because we don't have to work that hard. (laughs) 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 And it's true. And uh, so I have to force myself to be physical and I'm confronting that this week because, oh, on another topic, my weigh-in, I just posted before we started. I've only lost one pound in two weeks, which is not good. So I really have to kind of get my, I have to get my physicality going and I'm going to really try and have a couple of ideas. I don't want to make any declarations until they're passed. Uh, but I have a couple of ideas I want to try this week, which basically involves me just getting a little bit sweaty, which is something I've been avoiding doing because it's just, I'm too old. <laughs> I don't want my joints to hurt. <laughs> no, you're not. I know I'm not. <laughs> That's like, I, I think of these guys that like, that put their key on running a marathon at, you know, in their late, late years, anywhere between now and 75 guys could run a marathon and you know, people that have yeah. never done it in their life, you know, so I look at people like that as my motivation, knowing that that's possible and that that I have done it in my life. Uh, so that's, I just got to, I just got to do it. I thought I could take the easy route and the easy route isn't working, but I just stop putting a lot of stuff in my mouth. And, I think that's the first step. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that, that's an excellent discipline that I'm trying to do too, based mm-hmm. on your example. Yeah. I think that's an excellent discipline, yeah. but that is only the first step at it. Somebody, I, I, I wish I could remember his name. Somebody texted back at us or tweeted back at us and said, the diet starts on the fork. He was talking to you and me, Bob. Maybe you saw that. Hmm. He, he said, because you were talking about how, even though you still exercise, you know, your exercise may wane and wax, but your ability to keep eating sugar doesn't, although you know it yep. should. And so this person said a very funny quote, very, very good quote. The diet starts on the fork. He said his friend says that all the time. And so that's a good thing to remember that the diet starts on the fork. So instead of being like, yeah, I really, I had this thought last night. This is bizarre. I'm like, if I could just burn a couple thousand calories a day by either jogging or lifting weights or whatever it is to break a sweat, then I could eat more because I want to eat more because that ritual of sticking food in my mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. I could, if I exercise and burn the calories, which is what I've been trying to avoid doing, I could eat more. So I could have that ritualistic reward of sticking food in my mouth. That's but, the danger yeah, of exercise. I, but I have to compensate by burning the calories. <sighs> I guess I got to break out my running shoes. And that was really the I mean, mental process I went through last night. There's a yeah. difference. I mean, it's just about eating the right stuff. Yeah, there's course. a difference uh, between calories from fat and calories from sugar. Uh, your yeah. body uh, treats them very different. So uh, I watched oh, a sure. great movie over the weekend called That Sugar Film. It's a documentary on sugar. And there's um, uh, a couple of them on Netflix about sugar. This one called That Sugar Film is on Amazon Prime. And it's one of the better ones that I've seen. It's fun. It's really, really well done. But basically, this guy who um, he's from Australia, very fit person who did not does not eat sugar, um, avoids sugary foods. Uh, and, and we're talking not just like um, refined sugar, but but sugar in in carbs and and bread and all that. Um, so for an experiment for I think sixty days or six weeks or something like that, he ate nothing but sugary foods. Um, all, oh like, wow! Like like uh, um, uh, not not ice cream and 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 things like that, but just foods that have sugars in them apple juice and um things like that and so he had a team uh, of doctors and nutritionalists that that tracked his progress and uh i'll just i'll let you watch it if you want to and it's just it was really good and it's kind of eye-opening and it goes along with uh i'm not really a, a fitness guy but i i read a great book a couple years ago called the cholesterol myth where it talked about fats versus sugar like we've grown up to think we have to eat fat-free foods and it's turned out that's not true we got to remove sugar and carbs and the fats are actually good for you um i'm paraphrasing there's a lot more to it than that but um and a lot of things in this movie kind of go in parallel with 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 that book that i read hmm Yep. Interesting. I need to take a um, deeper look. 
Yeah. So I was, I don't, I don't think I said this last week, but if I did stop me, but I was in the airport on the way back from Boise. Did I talk about the milkshake? Mm -mm. Okay. So (laughs) I was in the airport and I hadn't had any sugary stuff in a while. And I was like, I really like milkshakes. And so I got a burger for lunch in the airport and they had milkshakes. And I'm like, oh, that'd be good. Like I, I ran the last couple of days. I'll just get a milkshake. And I looked up on the board and I never pay attention to calorie. I don't count calories. I don't look at how many calories are in foods, anything like that. But I just happened to look at it because it was on the board as I was ordering and it said 1400 calories. And I'm like, okay, I'll store that away in my brain. I don't know what that means in relation to anything else. And so after I get back, I'm on the treadmill and on the treadmill, it shows you an estimated calorie count for the run that you're tracking right there, right? So it shows you your distance, shows you your time, shows you the calories that you're burning. <laughs> Three mile run, 200 at calories, 815 <laughs> pace, less than 500 calories. Yeah. I, I, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I acknowledged like, that a long time ago when I used to run on the treadmill all the time. Man, yeah. that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Because I think about how much I have run throughout my life and all the distance and all that stuff. And I thought that was way more <laughs> calorie burn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're doing a lot of training, like I've mentioned before, if you're doing a lot of training, you can eat a lot of stuff. And yeah. it's, that's cumulatively, deal, it but... all adds up and then you just stay. Because I, I remember yeah. that lifestyle, that, that picture I just sent both of you. That was the lifestyle. But man, was you, just, you think about like, yeah, I can go out for a three-mile run. That'll, that'll burn a lot. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not a third of a milkshake. Yeah. So, yeah, that that changed. Uh, and I still don't want to be one that counts calories and has to worry about the specific stuff. But it, it was a good and interesting point of reference as to how much. And that I don't think that says anything about how little work the um, running is doing. I think it says way more about how bad the food is that we think the is kind of choices. bad. And it's not yeah, I know, really right. Bad. The choices. Yeah. I'm noticing in the area where I live, I guess we all live in middle America. I mean, I live on the East Coast, but up here, it's like middle America. Everybody is overweight. Everybody around me, everybody in the local place I go to shop at, everybody is overweight. And I see people with their their kids, their young kids that are also overweight. And we got way off topic here, but (laughs) the... um, and I see the, the parents like, oh, can I have a, a milkshake? And went, oh, can you want to? And, and they're eating a milkshake and they're giving the kid a milkshake. And, and the kids has a bag of chips and a bag of cookies. And I'm like, oh, my God. I said to tell, thank God we don't have kids because they would be eating like raw vegan diet. I don't know if that's even better than or not. But I just know I wouldn't be feeding my kid kids as much sugar as I see people feeding their kids. And then when you look at them, you know, they're 40 and 50 pounds overweight and you know, they might not, like the way I just creeped up in the last few years. All of a sudden, I'm like, God, it used to be so much. It used to be so much easier to do these things, and now like, oh, pants are tight, and isn't you know, it just creeps up. But you really got to watch it. So I don't know why we got so far off topic, but I have <laughs> yeah. to. This week I'm going to work harder. That's the bottom line. I'm going to work harder, and I'm going to pay closer attention to the things I used to pay closer attention to. That's it. Well. Yeah, I, I don't know how we got down this road either. But one more thing, because this has been on our, all of our minds, I think, recently. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot about it and stuff. But I, okay, have you ever seen Wally? Have either one of you ever seen? No, yeah, Wally. Have you ever seen that movie? The robot it's movie? It's a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. about a robot. But basically, the world goes bad. They send all the people to space to try to clean up the world. So the people are in space. They have everything that they need. And they don't have to, like, even get out of chairs to get the stuff that they need. So over several generations, people go from, like, looking like people to these giant round bodies that can't even, like, reach down to pick things up. <laughs> and <clears throat> so it's a it's a really interesting movie in a bunch of different ways. It covers a bunch of stuff. But that – this vision of, of all of the people being super puffy in every direction um, – Recently, I saw something, and I, it was just like a screenshot of something or whatever, but it showed a person that looked like that, like a drawing of a person that looked like that. And on the inside, it was like a cutaway, and you could still see the skeleton of this person inside all of that mass. And I guess I'd never really thought through when someone is really overweight, just my brain just said, well, all of them is expanding. Right, the skeleton's but still the reality that skinny is, thing, like, right? The skeleton... It, Exactly. The skeleton is still that skinny part right in the middle and it's just wrapped in stuff. And I don't know why I'd never thought of that. 
But when I saw that picture, I was like, whoa, like that. I don't know. That hit me in a weird way. Like when you see how much has expanded past what our bodies are really supposed to be. Look at that picture. And it made I just me a lot more aware. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you could use it for the cover if you feel like it, but it's, this Uh-oh. podcast isn't about my weight loss. It's about something else. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got a little off topic. Yeah. But take care of yourselves. And it's been really cool now that you've been doing the the weight loss a thing. A lot of people I've been trying follow. to post about running. A lot of people are responding yeah. to, you know, I'm going to start running. Or uh, we had a guy send, send us a message the other day. said he lost 40 pounds or something recently because he amazing. started. Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of guys started when I talked about it. And they're like way past me. I'm still like in the, you know, I started at 222. I'm at 207 today. So I still have a lot more to go. Yeah. yeah, but it's been great because everybody else following along with this is keeping me going because I would have given up <laughs> after week two. So <laughs> thank you for pushing. And then, you know, I started a couple of hashtags like Jimmy and Jocko's weight loss challenge and a couple of people are. And when it posts, I'm like, oh, God, I forgot I got to go do a weigh in. I didn't weigh in last week because I was I didn't lose any weight. I was embarrassed. And so today I, I said, you know mm-hmm. what? I only lost one pound in two weeks. I got to confront it and just you know, eat it. That's the reason why I'm doing this in public. Hmm. Yeah. So I can't blow it off. Good way to do it. Well, and it's, it's good because it's a supportive group of people. You're not going to, a place where people are going to shame you for not doing, (laughs) not losing. So getting back to the original thing, I don't want to be identified with being the overweight guy that makes stuff. I want to be the guy Mm. that makes stuff. that doesn't have Mm, a weight loss issue. But I mean, I know I'm, I'm like minuscule compared to, you know, some of the people that I see that scare me, but I can easily get there because, yeah, you know we just gotta if you don't pay attention and you guys are both about eight or nine years younger than me and it really happens your eyes starts eyesight starts going your joints start creaking and you know you really just gotta stay on topic yeah <laughs> stay <laughs> like on topic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of um let me talk about patreon and then you guys can talk about what you're watching um Let's see. Where's the list? Oh, there is the list. Um, and yeah, I want to say thank you to the people that support us on Patreon. We've had I, we had a bunch of new patrons yesterday for some reason. I don't know why, but it's super cool. Um, big thanks to Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Chad from Mancrafting, Nick Ryan, and Make Build Modify. Um, but there's a bunch of other people that are supporting us at all different levels, and we're really grateful for that. I, somebody was asking me this weekend, one of my friends, they were like, yeah, do you have sponsors for your podcast or you just do Patreon? I was like, nope, we just do Patreon. We've turned down some rather big companies for sponsorship because we have Patreon support. Yep. And that's really cool. That feels good. Um, yeah, it does feel good. And so thank you guys for the support for this show. If you want to help out and get the after show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and support at any level and you'll get more of us talking. And today we won't talk about weight loss or running or any of that stuff. We'll find something else interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and next week I'm going to be down a couple of pounds, more than a couple of pounds. Really short, nice. I have a, a goal this week. So hold me to it. Hold my feet to the fire. Cool. Will do. <clears throat> All right. What are you guys watching? I just went through my history and I saw my, my buddy, Brian Block. I'm going to talk. I might've talked about Brian before, but Brian is a machinist. He's got a small channel, but he's very passionate about what he does. He's a machinist and just an all around rusty steel kind of guy. And uh, he's in Kentucky. He's probably not too far from you, Bob. He's in Louisville. Actually, he's in uh, oh. the town where the new uh, where the new distillery is down, I think, Route 65. I forget. Anyway, whatever that town is. Um, and Brian is very knowledgeable. I met him last year at the open house at John Saunders. And you know, as as is probably the case with everybody. Every once in a while, you just go down a rabbit hole on someone's channel. And I did that this week with Brian. And he's got the most incredible Southern accent. And I joke with him from time to time. I say, you need an agent because you could sell that voice. That voice is gold. He's got such a great Southern accent. And uh, so check out Brian Block. I'll, I'll link his channel to you guys right now. Nice. Yeah. Lignum. This is a, it's like a oh, woodworking yeah. art channel. Uh, I just put the link in the in the Skype notes there. Check out the wooden chair idea, the the pixel lounger. That thing is crazy. Oh, I, I got that the other day. It's great. Someone sent it to me. I love it. 
Yeah, and this this guy's portfolio of work is is really really good. So really into this channel right now. Yeah, there's some some really cool stuff. Um, so mine's a little different, but it was interesting to me. I saw the other day. Uh, you guys ever watched the Vlog Brothers? Mm-hmm. Yes. I know that you would watch them, but okay. Anyway, they a lot of their videos are they're all over the place, to all different topics and stuff. But they're a lot of fun. Basically, if you've never seen the channel, it's two brothers and they make a video to each other every week and so it's like they're talking to the audience but they kind of act like they're talking to just each other um anyway the one from this past week was why the d in the word disney in the logo of disney is so weird looking and it was really fascinating because it's all about logo type it's all about how disney didn't really have a specific logo for a long time and it was iterations of walt disney signature and it it's just a cool like if you like typography or logos or disney it's a pretty cool explanation of how it got to where it is. So, did you? I thought that was kind of a neat. Did you watch mm-hmm. his follow up on his own personal channel? No, I didn't. So, um, there's the Vlog Brothers channel, and then Hank has his own channel called Hank's Channel. Yeah. I think there's a follow up yeah. to that where he makes a couple of corrections. Check that one out too. It's oh. really good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll try to link that one as well. Awesome. Well, you guys got anything else you want to talk about? Not on this show. Not in this show. <laughs> Secret stuff for the after show. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Love you.